Okay. So I'm going back to add this to the beginning because I didn't do a real good intro. So welcome to episode 8 of the ADHD Chronicles. I hope you've been enjoying the season. And this is, I guess, a message from my future self to you guys. But it's it was recorded right after I finished the episode. So whatever. This is the intro. Welcome to episode number 8 of the ADHD Chronicles. And I hope you enjoy. Owning a restaurant. Let's go over it. What is the reason you would not want to own one? Well, for one, you got locations. We can talk about ghost kitchens, too, but I tell you what. Let's go over physical, one-location, family-owned restaurants first. For one, you've got a location. You know, you cannot leave because you're going to have a schedule, and you're going to have people coming in constantly, all right? And this is if you're owning it. It's even worse if you're just working at a restaurant as a waitress, waiter, whatever, uh, a bartender. It doesn't matter, right? Tips are good, and it's intriguing. It's it's enticing. It wants, you know, it makes you want to go be and work at that restaurant for so long. But, you know, it, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, maybe you own the restaurant, but owning the restaurant is arguably worse. You've got more stress. You've got more stuff going on. Now, if we're talking about a very good location, you have a, a, a entity in one of the busiest airports in the world, let's just say Atlanta Airport, and you're closed most of the day, and you know, you're know you able to still pull in a quarter million in profits a year, that's a pretty good setup. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's completely impossible and improbable, but... Owning a restaurant is just, it's a hard business, and having a ghost kitchen would be the way to do it if you had a brand prior and you were just like, well, hey, let's extort this brand, let's use it, and uh, we'll make food for it. That's what Mr. Beast did, is he took his brand and he just said, hey, all these ghost kitchens, I need you to make my burgers for me, and then that's how he got so many locations so quickly, and how he's able to deliver you a burger from anywhere in the world pretty much anywhere in america at least but my main point here is that getting into the restaurant business getting into food entirely is uh, real really we're talking about restaurants because food could be pretty broad we could be talking about farming and farming that's a pretty good one you can live a pretty good life on a, on a farmer's pay you know and it really does go somewhere you could own your own 500 acre farm uh, with all the toys you could ever please and a 10 million dollar farm brand behind you and you know you could do a lot being a farmer but actually serving the food going out there being the restaurant being the chef being the cook uh, serving the food that's a very tough business to be in because at least when you're a waiter or a bartender most of the time you're working on tips all right, now that doesn't mean like your your pay is bad because your pay could be really good if you're a really good uh, waitress, you're a really good person at the restaurant, you know, it could be really good pay. However, your salary, your your income, I guess it's not a salary, but your income is limited. You can only have so many tips come in a day. You can only have so many tips come in a week. You know, and even if you're the best, you still cannot go past a certain limit. There's a certain cap, okay? 
there's an income cap with doing tips because even if you work the most hours and you process the most amount of tables that you possibly could, uh, your physical body is capable of, then you're still capped at a certain point. You can't go uh, so once you go so far, you're kind of you're limited, and that's the downside to it. And then with owning a restaurant, you know. You can market as much as you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, capture that audience. And you have to have a good plan. You have to have a good team behind you. And, you know, my grandma has owned a restaurant. She has owned a restaurant with a great location on the water by a lake. It was a lakeside restaurant. And it was just, you know, horrible, you know, complained about people who would steal steaks and shove them in the toilet. I have someone kind of related to me that owns, I think, like 12 Zaxby's, you know? And he says it's the amount of theft is horrible, you know? They'll take they'll take chicken, put it in the uh, dumpster out back, and then come back later and take it. So the restaurant business is a very tough business to be in. You can't... It's not for the faint of heart, and it's definitely not for everybody because once you get into that business, it's kind of hard to get out of it, you know? You get pulled in, and you're making that decent money, and then now you don't want to go make a salary, and you don't want to go do this. You just want to be on tips, but you're also limited, you know? And I'm not saying that being limited is always, uh, you know, you're going to make more with a limit on tips than you would having a salary at some office job. But at a certain point, once you get to a certain point in your life, you've got to be looking to expand your income. And you can't just be like, oh, well, I'll just take on another shift because what happens when there are no more? You know? With a salary, at least, like, hey, I can come in Monday through Friday and I can make 150000 a year, maybe two, and, you know, you, you have a set schedule. You've got a set plan in place. And typically speaking, that would come with having reliable income. With food, you don't necessarily have a reliable income. You are responsible for that. But I guess that same thing could be said about sales, okay? If I was going to go be a salesman, you know, in working on commission, not salary, of course, you know, you're responsible for your income. So if you can only make... Uh, you know, fifty thousand in a year, and your your expenses are seventy, eighty thousand in a year. You know, you're in a tough pickle. You know, you got to figure that out, and that's your responsibility. It's not your team's. It's it's nobody else's, but yours. And uh, I guess that could same thing could be said about uh, lawyers, or uh, at least people who work in law that are on an hourly kind of thing. They get what they charge per hour. You know. just anybody who pretty much charges a a per hour or a a percentage on a commission or anything, those kind of people, uh, it could always be a tough situation. It's not as stable. But when you really think about it, no job is that stable. The company could go out of business tomorrow. So it's better just to go with what you want to do and what you think could be the best rather than what logically looks like the best, because nothing is really that stable. But food is very hard to get out of, so I will argue with you on that one. Like, food is just hard to get in. It's easy to get in. 
it's hard to get out of. And once you're in it, they uh, they just hey, can you cover for me this? Can you cover it? Can you like no, no, no. Uh, unless you have connections outside of food, and then in that case, you know you should have never been in food to begin with because you could just use those connections to get yourself a higher position somewhere else. And this all comes from a point of view of you need to have a uh, a good income at least to have some amount of budgetary planning going on and some amount of financial planning. It's not all just uh, about the fact that it's an easy or hard industry to get in and out of. It's just, uh, or out of, really. Um, it's rather just, you know, the fact that it's very hard to budget when you don't know what your income for the month will be. And in my book, which I kind of, whatever, I don't really care. Um, in my book, I tap on the fact that when you're budgeting, you need to know what your income is. And if you're on a per contract or a, a basis that you're a freelancer or you're a waitress, uh, you know, it's kind of hard, but you have to take an average and uh, try and grow it. You, you can't just go with, okay, well, I made this much this week, so that's how much I'm going to make next week. Well, that's not how that works, you know, because you never know if that'll be what you make next week or this week. So what you have to do is take an average over the past, let's just say, year you've been working there and be cool with that. And if you're doing seasonal work, I'm, I'm a very seasonal worker. As I do a lot of work over the summer, and then typically throughout the year, we don't have that much work, uh, at least painting-wise. So you have these spurts of work that, you know, they're two months long and, you know, we make a lot of money. That's our yearly pay. But then we make no money. We, we have nothing throughout the rest of the year. So it's a very tough situation to be in. It's very tough. And, you know, it's tough on everybody. It's not just tough on, you know, say me or any in particular person. It's tough on everybody because that means you have to plan and say, hey, well, I just made my year, so let's split this across 12 months, and then if I make more in any other week throughout the year, well, then I'm a pretty happy cat, and I can uh, I can rest easy, you know, and I have extra income for any sort of vacation or any sort of trip that I, I may want to go on. It's all just a fact of uh, you have to learn your income, and then you have to learn how to budget it. But this is all very boring. You know, all this stuff is very boring. So there was this one time where I planned a bank robbery, you know, and not a real one. We're talking about a movie script here. I, I wrote a movie script. Okay. I wrote a movie script, and it was about a bank robbery. Okay. And it was, I had already gotten the movie pretty much ready. I don't know if I've spoken about this in another podcast. I cannot remember. But, you know, there was going to be all sorts of stuff going on i think i have spoken about this yeah i have i yeah i have wow i kind of forgot but you know touching on that point is that there was going to be this was going to be a whole franchise you know this wasn't just going to be one movie about one bank robbery this was going to be a franchise and uh this wasn't a franchise like marvel or anything this was going to be very disconnected uh, sort of like how these podcast episodes are just very disconnected from each other. Well, that's how this was going to end up. 
uh, it was going to be, you know, one movie was going to be about aliens, and one was going to be about bank robberies, and uh, it wasn't really going to have any lessons to it, um, because why not? And they were going to be fun movies, uh, just to have, I guess, uh, kind of taking from uh, super bad, uh, just kind of existing for no real reason. There's no story or moral there. It's just a weird movie. And, uh, you know, some of those movies are the best movies that can come out because it just kind of lets the director or the writer have free reign over to what they are putting on a screen, which is overall just creative free will. And I, I never said this, but I, I uh, had an animated show scripted at one point, too, over some intellectual property that I owned. I still own it, technically. I still own the intellectual property for an animated show that I was going to create. But animating is incredibly difficult. And I had not fully learned it yet, so it wasn't great. It wasn't very well refined. So that may be something that I go back and touch upon, because why not? And I still own the intellectual property. So I wouldn't say that's a venture that I would ever uh, 100% like commit to, but it is an option. It's out there. You know, I own the intellectual property, therefore at some point in time it would be dumb to not use it. So, and I'm also, you know, this is a part of the art collection thing. And I'll name names here in a little bit because why not? We can go into it further and I can tell the full story. That's what we're here for, is it not? You know, to tell the full story. So, I guess just let's let's go into it. Let's dive in. Back in, I would say 2021, I was learning how to draw uh digital art, really all of those kinds of arts, and uh, just on my iPad. I got an iPad for this very reason. I wanted to draw. I wanted to learn how to draw, and um, I ended up drawing a full collection of art, and at the time, I published them to be NFTs. I gave them out for free, and you might be saying, oh, NFTs, nerd stuff, whatever. I don't care. I, I really don't. Anyway, Later on, I updated the art. It was better. Kept doing it. Um, I think I released four renditions of the art for constant improvement and just overall just refinement over the collection and ensuring that the people who got it for free were still happy. Obviously, they kind of weren't. It didn't really pan out. didn't work. And I decided, okay, well... This isn't really going anywhere. Again, it was a free project, a free thing that you could just click claim and you would acquire one. Okay, so it wasn't anything crazy, right? And I've never really made it out to be anything crazy. It was an accomplishment because we did sell out, you know, for sure. It sold out 10000 but it wasn't anything so wild because um, it was free, you know. If we were going to try and raise any amount of money, it would have been a little bit more tough, which we probably should have to think about it. We probably could have if we even did it for a dollar or two apiece. We probably could have. But 
just thinking back on the fact that we were able to do it. And it was a testament to what I had learned. It wasn't necessarily a formed business model at the time. It was just meant to be a fun experiment, and it was a testament to what I had learned over the past probably four years at the time, maybe maybe three years. But it was a testament to what I had learned, and then over time, I refined things, made things better, tried to work on website stuff, a bunch of other tech stuff. We tried to run some other stuff up. And then I just, I kind of got disconnected from it, you know. Nobody was interacting with it. I I couldn't keep up the interaction with no response. And so I left it. I mean, I'm I'm not ashamed of the fact that I left it because it was so experimental and it was free. Again, it, this this was free entirely. Like there was no gimmick here. If you uh, signed in and you wanted one, you could get one. That was the and it was up for a very long time. But you know, I tried to keep it up. Marketing is not my strong suit. I've learned that uh, very quickly over the past couple of years. Is that marketing is my one weakness which I probably have more weaknesses, but that's my major weakness, right? That's my kryptonite, marketing. I cannot come up with a marketing plan to save my life. And that was brought out very strongly because when you want to create an NFT project, and I'm, I'm saying this from somebody who has, has done it, okay? I have done it. Marketing is everything. If you cannot market, you will not be able to sell it out. And if you cannot figure out how to... Uh, connect with the people you're trying to reach you will not be able to market to them they're just going to tell you to kick rocks they don't care they don't want to be pitched like a, a sales pitch they just want something that can help them and potentially them make money off of that's a big thing a bit, a very big thing is that a lot of people literally got it for they got it for free and then they wanted to sell it for money I said man I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. You know, who cares if you can or not? Because I'm, I'm not going to do all this work for you to want to turn around and flip it real quick, you know? And from the point of view of somebody who, I mean, I did, I don't want to take credit for everything because I've had, I had people help me along the way. Uh, I had somebody help me develop some of the smart contracts and, well, all of the smart contracts on Ethereum and a couple other different things and I've had I had people help build the community up but overall I would say because it was my project okay it was my it was my thing it was my venture and I would say that I I did the majority of the work okay I'll take credit for that because it was a failure okay I don't want to put that failure on other people that that was my failure um but, again, the whole thing was just a testament to what I had learned, what I will continue to learn, how to improve and how to do it, and hopefully in the future come back to uh, the same project and say, hey, all right, here we go. We're, I've got some new information. I've got new knowledge, new skills that we can put to use, and uh, we can get this going again. Or, you know, even just making a new one. You know, again, this project was free. They had no, they had no skin in the game, 
per se. They had nothing. They had nothing to lose. Okay, there was very minimal fees too. We were able to cut those back a lot, and then we were even able to do some free drops for those people. You know, of different art. So the people who said that it was like, oh, this is a free drop. It's dead. And okay, it's not dead, man. It's just not. There's nothing for us to do. You know. There's nothing for us to release. What do you want, you know? If you were willing to pay for us to do something, we could totally do it, but you can't get something for free, completely free, expect money out of it without any benefit or, you know, any sort of value being provided, okay? And the only thing was is it was just an experiment, man. It was literally just... An experiment with me and my very, very bad skills at the time, at least when starting it, it was very bad skills. And, you know, even if I was going to come back to it and do everything again, it, I don't know if it would work out any different, but I'm more than willing to try. You know, that's one thing that I've always wanted to do is come back to that, try again. And not necessarily redo it, but take what w- what is already there and just redo it in a new way. And with Velocity, our membership is going to be an NFT. So uh, I'm trying to brainstorm and think of a way to say hey to the old group and say hey, there's this. It's made by me. I know what I've like. I know the past experience. Uh, or, you know, this project didn't necessarily go that great, but this one's got value, this one's got this, this one's got this. Not necessarily use the community, but provide the opportunity to purchase into Velocity's membership. Not necessarily into Velocity. Remember, nothing you do can get a share of Velocity. You know, buying one of our memberships does not make you an owner of Velocity. It makes you a part of the crew, But it doesn't, you know, it won't make you an owner, per se. And another thing that could be done is just for Velocity to just straight up acquire something like a golf course or a franchise uh, auto shop. So if we really felt like it, we could literally just go in there and go buy a golf course and call it the Velocity Golf Course. Then we already have a brand. We already have this. We're already making money. And then we can grow the automotive side on this stuff and then have the lifestyle brand in the golf course. All of those different things. It's a great idea. I'm 100% down for Velocity owning a golf course. I've always wanted to own a golf course. And I definitely think it's possible someday soon. Some With a lot of you know, modern websites just allowing you to see what's listed. I definitely think it's it's something that we could explore in the future. Um, you know, I'm thinking that we're going to cut this episode. It'd be a little bit shorter, you know, not necessarily incredibly short, but I think this is going to be where we call episode number eight. I hope that I, I didn't speak about a couple different things, but I think I, I think I dug into a lot of good dirt told a very uh, deep, uh, rooted experience, I guess. I don't know, but that will be the uh, end of Episode 8. I hope you've enjoyed the season so far, and uh, 
looking forward to episode nine.